0: Hello and welcome to the 5 Year Plan Podcast. Uh, We have a special pod here today, it's a really posh one, we're going to call that the posh pod. Speak for yourself. Um, We've got Andy, uh, who's pretty posh.
2: Well, no, I've got to play the role of uh, Kevin Day and James Endicott and James Daly today, so I'm going to be both a bit sort of surreal... I'm going to whinge about stuff generally and talk about the 70s and players in the 70s and then do a city song at the end. Wonderful. Uh, so, yeah. We also
0: have uh, Ed Mallion.
3: The least part of the four. <laughs> uh,
2: hello.
0: Hello. And uh, we also have Mike Wicks. Hello. Um, so we're here now uh, to discuss the Norwich game also um, sponsors. Oh, yeah, this is true, yes. Uh, so we're sponsored by JCIS, that's JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. And Vector Printing, that's www.vector.co.uk, and that's Vector with a okay. K. Okay. That was great. <laughs> right, straight to the action. Uh, the game against Norwich, that was pretty... Pretty uh, A pretty good way to start the season, wasn't it? Alright,
2: three points, away from home, newly promoted side, job done. Don't know why everyone's moaning so much. Have you been taking media training from footballers because <laughs> they're very much like a post-match nice you. I just think um, people have been s- slightly
1: uh, overly concerned about a performance in what essentially is... Something, it's, it's going to be a level performance that's not going to be that much better than pre-season particularly short pre-season and um, it was, it was a, one of our uh, increasing amount of games that you, you think we should get three points from but obviously that's... Uh, no, no there are, Again, media training cliche, there are no easy games in the Premier League so I'm delighted with the three points.
3: I think we're just better away from home. I think the Norwich fans are fuming about the referee, they're fuming about uh, them having a lot more of the ball, they're fuming about them having more chances... I just think we're. about would be to... fuming if I came from Norwich too, though. Yeah, well, you know that's that's the, what life gives you, isn't it? Yeah, you
2: know?
0: Do you think that some of the criticism to the, towards the referee is justified?
3: So, uh, I watched Dermot Gallagher again, another referee coming out and saying Mark Halsey said it uh, that they thought the goal should have been disallowed. The goal being disallowed is one I don't have a problem with because his head, Joel Ward's head, is in the mix there, and there's some, there's a, there is a ludicrously high foot because he's doing it. I mean, it's a great goal, well taken goal, but. Wish he'd done that more for us. I think it's still a dangerous situation. Uh, obviously Norwich fans don't agree. I think there was a penalty that they could have had, but um, you know that happens most weeks with most teams. I mean, it seems to be one of those... Paul even said it himself off the game. It seems to be
2: one of those stupid cliches where we went, well, anywhere else on the pitch is, is a free kick. Well, if it's a free kick anywhere else on the pitch, and it's exactly the same offence when you get into the box. Admittedly, you're annoyed if you see your player do something spectacular and it is, on the face of it, you know, a, a foul, an, an offence that should sort of result in a free kick. But I, th- I think they should, they had... There were there were other instances in which the ref was getting things more visibly wrong than that particular instance. There were, there was the penalty shout for them towards yeah. the end, which looked more clear-cut to me than um, any shout they might have had for it not being dangerous play with the high boot. And I, I I did think he was a genuinely very very poor ref. I understand that his last game uh, any sort was of competitive the of game wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hooper, I believe his name yeah. is, and I, I think his last game before that was. Um, the league to play final and the pace of football at the Premier League is just so much faster than even in the Championship that you need someone who's able to make right decisions very very quickly even very good experienced refs get it wrong so for someone to sort of be thrown into that sort
3: of environment uh, he didn't really do too okay, well I don't I don't, know, I don't know that because so we complain about refs get you know, when we're in the Championship I remember particularly refs get demoted from the Premier League for bad performances and they go into the Championship and they're in the Championship and and everyone in the championship's complaining because why do we get the shit refs, basically? Uh, This guy has worked his way up through the lower leagues and was well-considered in the lower leagues. I saw before the the games actually happened at the weekend, Keith Hackett had said, this guy, it's his first Premier League game. Palace and Norwich are going to feel like they're they're guinea pigs almost. You've got to have a first Premier League game at some point. Everyone, Howard Webb has to have a first Premier League game at some point. Yeah, the guy didn't have a great game. Doesn't mean he's not going to go on to be a, a good ref in the future, I think. The problem is, there's always referee decisions to complain about. Norwich will feel really aggrieved. It was a big day for them. It was sunny. It was the first day of the season they're back in the Premier League. It's a game they would have felt they could have won. But I think Palace are really good away from home. I think on a counter-attack, they're brilliant. I think all season, we're going to defy the odds away from home. And we might, if anything, disappoint uh, at Sellers Park, which is kind of a trend we saw towards the end of Pardew's kind of first half-season in charge.
0: I think one of the players that probably got a little bit more criticism than others for Palace was Alex McCarthy yeah. now from a personal perspective I think that he actually had he'd, he'd had quite a good first half um, he then came into this into this situation where I, I, I to me it looked like there was a deflection on, on the shot from Redmond even the slightest enough to take some kind of uh, di- uh, to, to make the trajectory of the ball go slightly differently and um, and after that, I think that spooked him, and I think that then that ended up playing on his mind, and it kept. And, and as a result, his goal kicking was was to be fair inconsistent. Um, do you think it's it's Mike? Do you think it's right that he's got that criticism? Because I think that that was one thing you might have been hinting at that, looking at the performance, yeah. maybe McCarthy was someone who was who was picked out a little bit for extra.
1: attention. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he had a decent debut, not a brilliant debut, um, but. Nothing to be worried about at all. I read somewhere, I can't remember where, someone making the point that Nigel Martin had a few dodgy games when he um, when we first signed him. Um, and again, much like Ed's point about the ref, he's got to make his first Premier League game. At, uh, he's got to make his Premier League De- Premier League debut for us at some point, point. Um, and to come away with three points, relatively unscathed. I think it's, uh, a, a, it'll stand him in, in good stead. I don't think the goal was. I'd put as much blame on the uh, on the midfield for not closing down the shots quickly um, given where we were in the game and given how close redmond was to the goal um, than I would to McCarthy the goal kicks um at least he kicks a, kicks them further than spironi I'd rather they go out of play than to an opposition player's head on the halfway line uh, it's not like any of them in the second half at least put us under any, any pressure uh, and otherwise he was he, he, he looked he looked fairly all right the conversely the double save Uh, which he seems to get a lot of praise for I felt both shots were relatively straight at him albeit he had to have strong hands and and, and fairly good reactions all in all I don't think he was amazing Um, I don't think he was a disaster by any stretch and I'd be very surprised if he's
2: not in goal on Sunday against Arsenal but I mean I found it absolutely unbelievable and you would have thought Palace fans more than anyone would know not to write a goalkeeper after one or two games you know we've just been to Julian Sparrow testimonial and it's probably something that has been repeated since that game by others but the fact that he was written off quite so quickly and that obviously impinged upon his confidence massively you would have thought they'd probably learn from that game. maybe Alex McCarthy's actually going to go on to be a really good goalkeeper but it's had a really difficult start in some ways like I didn't think it was a particularly bad performance it didn't make any absolute clangers. it was just the fact that we were starting to come under more and more pressure from a Norwich side who I thought were actually pretty good to be I off the ball I thought they retained possession pretty well I think the thing that separated the two sides was the fact that they, they didn't have the sort of incisiveness or creativity in the final third that we clearly had we looked like we could maybe on another day go up again, I'm not sure at the moment with the personnel they've got that they can but um, you know th- there wasn't anything that McCarthy did going back to that point that was specifically wrong it was just do you think knocking it out of play when when the game was starting to turn a little bit away from us do you think that
0: that maybe the, the, the thing that people are frustrated at is that McCarthy isn't Wayne Hennessy and that there's been this kind of He's better than Wayne Hennessey.
3: I, I think he's I a th- better goalkeeper. From what I've seen of both, right, I've seen uh, probably more of McCarthy than Hennessy, in truth. But uh, McCarthy, and I know someone who played with McCarthy at Reading, and he said he's an absolutely top draw keeper. Like there were clubs, like big clubs, who were looking at him as a second choice. People like Liverpool were looking at him as a second choice. I think Palace have brought him in as a kind of one and a half. Like kind of Spironi's maybe number one, but for how much longer? McCarthy is a much better heir to have. Than, than Hennessy for me, I think. There are other concerns over Hennessy, and I think it's very likely for me that he won't be at the club at the end of the, the transfer window. He wants to play for Wales at Euro 2016 next summer. He wants to be playing first team football. He could do that in the championship. He probably won't do that with any Premier League club. So, you know, Hennessy for some reason has been, uh, well, under the Pewless reign, I know he definitely was kind of knocking on the door. Under Pardue I think uh, it's going to mean McCarthy is number two and potentially in the future number one, Hennessy out the door.
2: Yeah.
3: When did this happen
2: amongst Palace fans they, that uh, Hennessey became elevated to such mm. a level of regard? It's almost like the Matt Parsons syndrome, the longer you're out of the team, the better oh, you, you, you are regarded remember, as you an said, option. You said,
3: I remember you saying this before uh, about uh, Joel Ward, when, when Joel Ward was injured for a long time. And uh, people have built him up to be, you know, oh, I can't wait until John Ward comes back. It turns out actually when he came back, he was bloody good. But it's a good, but it's it's you know it is a solid thing. We had it with, I remember when Royce Wiggins was younger and people were like, oh, when he comes back, he can replace Granville, whatever. It's like, well, no, he's not going. But the, this is what happens. The fact that he's not in the team means that you can't prove it wrong in many ways. But they see him all the time. And uh, the coaching staff have decided that N S C not really not really the one for them. I don't
0: think. I think one of the lessons we learned from the game against Norwich was also that our wing players is still one of the the key ways for us to unlock sides. Now, um, Wilfred Zaha's performance. Do you think that if he carries on with that kind of form, that he should, you know, that maybe just maybe he might actually impress people on the international stage. That that he could actually just just from that game against Norwich. For me, I know he was only he's only playing against Norwich, but. For that, for me, that kind of performance is the kind that, that would that ultimately led to him getting an international call up when he was at Palace in the Championship. So, do we think that that's a possibility that he should really, you know, get, be given that incentive to, to try and push on and see how that goes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wilf has all the ability in the world. I've never seen uh, a player do things that he can do um, in world football. Uh, now that doesn't translate <sighs> to. Oh, that's a big claim. It's, uh, there are some things he's done in the football which I've never seen professional players do in at, at the top level that's not to say that he will be one of the best players in the world there are uh, many other aspects um, that he needs to add to his game the great news for us is that he seems to be adding that maturity the weight of pass um, the temperament there was a moment when Brad- Bradley Johnson clattered him Bradley Johnson who by the way was I didn't realise quite um, uh, what a horrible player he was and um, but um, and he looks like a hipster. Yeah, that man bun. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of that. Um, and yeah, he uh, Wolf dealt with that manfully. When in other games uh, last season, even under Pardie, he'd gone back into a shell. Um, he um, he carried on, and the, the consistency uh, he demonstrated in terms of um, knowing when to use his tricks and his consistency. Uh, was phenomenal. If he carries on like that, do, you think there's
2: a, there's, do we think there's do think there's an issue here with sort of international recognition of Palace players generally? Because I mean, I, I don't no, want to get into no, the Palace players. No, do you not no, think last no, season no, that no. that Scott Dan deserved at least the call
3: up? That Punchin, who is sort of one of the most productive when you look at his numbers, I think Scott I think Scott Dan, Dan, Scott Dan could have been in the mix. I think. Every single fan of every single club thinks their players are underappreciated by everyone else what about Joel club. Ward? He should be in the... In the yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There was a period when Joel Ward, under Pulis, when Joel Ward was outstanding and should have been in the England reckoning, not necessarily in the England team. Perhaps, you know, on the fringe of a squad, he might have been the 24th or 25th player when they're calling up 23. Uh, we don't know. I think Dan's probably in that sort of ballpark right now. But if another player... <laughs> if Nathan Redmond got called up for playing well over six months kind of Palace fans would criticise, if Scott Daniel were called up for playing well for six months, other fans are going to criticise, I think you can't go down that uh, path too much, I think Jason Punchman will never play for him, I think, I, I love him, I think he's been brilliant for us, I think he's a key player for us, um, as you can see by him starting ahead of Balassi, for example, um, which I think is going to happen more regularly, but he goes with Punch on one side and one of the quick wingers on the other and then brings another on with 30 minutes to go to cause that chaos he talks about. Puncher is brilliant, but he will never play for England Despite being one of the best fantasy players you can have, despite being one of the best set piece deliverers in the league, I think it's just not going to happen. With the, on the subject of
0: Blasi, um, he when he did come on, he looked pretty. He didn't look fit. You know, you could tell he was. He just wasn't, wasn't sharp. was
3: talk about that, wasn't it? He just wasn't was sharp. Um,
0: do you think that there's? That it's likely that he'll end up moving. Like, it doesn't sound like it, just from
3: from what Palace are saying. But it just depends on the bid, I guess. The guy only wants to go to a top six club. Right. I don't think a top six club's going to pay what we want for him. That's, that's as far as it goes, I think. He likes Pardew a lot. Uh, he tells lots of people that he likes Pardew a lot. But equally, he feels like if a top six club, like a Tottenham or a Liverpool, which is the sort of clubs that were making contact with him discreetly when he was in that really good run of form in March and April, if a club like that came in, he I think he obviously be keen to go because he can see playing in Europe and what that could do for him and stuff like that. He's uh, come to the game quite late in terms of he's worked his way up through the league so he's what, 26, 27 now? Yeah. So, you know, if he got a big move that's a sort of like life confirming financial situation. Uh, not that he's doing badly now but, you know, it would it would be the sort of thing that would sort him and his family for life which is obviously his first priority. However, that said, I think at the moment there's very little chance of going because need a really desperate club to come in with a big, big bid. And you've now got that sort of equalising effect, haven't you, outside of that top six? That what's the
2: point of him moving to go to a Villa or West Ham? Like a lot of these clubs. It's like
3: Stoke, Stoke were one of the. You know, Stoke have been big on wingers, trying to get wingers in this. Uh, so they're going to get Shaqiri. Looks like today, which is a great signing and actually better value than Berassi and a better player than Berassi. But you're going to get trolled for that one. No, well, no, everyone knows <laughs> that. well, that's an absolute fact. But if you look at uh, kind of. What Stoke are? They're a really settled club and all that sort of stuff. But Yannick wasn't interested; just dismissed it out of hand. And I think that's a good that's a good sign. If he sees that the only clubs above Palace are that top six now, I think that's kind of how uh, some of the other players are viewing it. Yannick was talking about top eight when he signed. Um, which you know you're looking. That's probably the whisper within the club is that we've got to be looking top eight now. And you keep making those marginal gains, and you keep pushing on, and see where you get. I think um, just to
0: kind of round off this segment, uh, we're going to talk about Johan Cabaye, Connor Wickham, and uh, Pap Suarez, who I think after today, after the performance on Saturday, looked a bit like a new signing entirely. I mean, obviously, he hasn't played many games, but uh, before that, but he, he looked—I he, thought he looked quite accomplished in terms of an attacking player, maybe not so much defensive. What, what did you think, Mike? Yeah, he was—he
1: obviously linked that really well with Wolf once they swapped. Um, and there was a glorious bit of skill um, from Will from the first half, where the, the icing on the cake was how he managed to play in uh, Soiree so precisely, and that was great to watch. I so my vantage point at Carrowden wasn't brilliant, um, but they clearly got uh, in behind us on our left-hand side a few times in the first half. Hard to know whether that was Soiree, punch combination of the two, or or, or the general um, setup of the team, or. Norwich's um, incisive wing play the the one highlight that made it to match the day I think was the grab and chance Mm. was actually a brilliant move that would cut a a pretty decent team open Um, but I think if if he carries the sort of offensive threat that he has been doing throughout pre-season and
2: uh, and on Saturday then you can kind of offset that a little bit well he pins, pins teams back with exactly. that sort of play that he showed on, on Saturday he didn't even have to show brilliant defensive position half the time because they were so worried about him going on the overlap that they were probably dropping a bit deeper in wider areas than they otherwise would do and certainly than they would do if we were playing for example Martin Kelly there who would be you know, getting a nosebleed if he was yeah. trying to go up as far as perhaps far he does and trying to do rainbow flicks over people's heads what an outrageous bit of skill that That's was great. yeah yeah. What an absolutely outrageous yeah. bit of skill. Um, he's the sort of fullback that fans love to watch, but which I'm sure would give managers slight palpitations at times, uh, particularly you know, a manager like Alan Pardew, who's in charge of a team that leaked quite a few goals last season yeah. at times.
3: Uh, Suare, when he signed for... I, I know a guy who's a scout in France, and I asked him, and his exact words on Soiree were, loves defending, very aggressive, needs to stop kneeing people in the back on aerial challenges, great stamina and energy, actually crossing occasionally rips not occasionally terrible it's kind of what we've seen from him so far it does sound um very much like it i think um, alan page put him straight in when we signed him in january and it was a bit much uh, uh but it, from what you said to other people that that's what happened with debushi as well when he first signed him getting up to speed with the premier league is difficult so he played on and off through that six month period last season i think now he's ready he's fully integrated into the team he's got some good friends there now he's playing well he's got a good understanding with with people like zahar and stuff you know the the link up down the line i thought looked quite good the other night and looked good at one of the pre-season friendlies as well so i think it's good to have the left back situation sorted knowing that joel ward can play back up there if we need to uh and i think occasionally he's just going to pull something out of the bag for us this season it might be like a 40 yard stunner it might be just a brilliant cross that someone heads in at the far post. You just feel like there is enough there with him to persist. Someone um, someone else who
1: um, watches a lot of French football, the only thing he had to say about Suarez was really good in the air, um, really dangerous from corners and set pieces, which for the first six months, and to look at his size, you saw absolutely no evidence of until, well, Fulham, I suppose, and then that clearly on, um, on Saturday, mm. which was either an awful header... Or a brilliant pass, and I'll it's interesting because it
0: look just looking from his head direction, it looks like he's actually looking at <laughs> Delaney. But maybe we're giving a bit, him a bit it was too an much incredible
1: headed through ball in that case. I thought it, uh, I followed. thought
0: just moving on. Um, I thought it was interesting with Pardew that he said he said uh, in the, in the uh, press conference after the game um, that with Kabai he's not quite got that edge just yet. He's been he hasn't played like it, it, interestingly on the you know when you compare Soiree to Kabay uh, Kabay spent a year in in Paris and didn't really play as many games as he should have done in a league that probably isn't as intense as, as the English league is uh, as the Premier League is. Um, so it was interesting that he said that that he feels that in within 5 or 6 games we'll see the the Kabay that he knows from Newcastle. I think on the subject of Norwich's goal, Kabay was the player closest to Redmond and was, too, was probably a bit too slow to, to close him down. But in terms of his actual presence, he, I thought he was excellent. Um, what do you think, Andy? Is that...
2: Well, I think it's a quite terrifying prospect if that was Kabay nowhere near his best. I, I still thought he was fantastic, particularly in the closing stages. Just the awareness on him, like the, the ability to turn inside a man, find an easy pass out wide, just really, really intelligent football. And you can see that in everything he does, like the through ball for Jordan Much in the first half, um, the movement to find himself some space late on for, for the, the goal and the, the smart finish. Um, just the sort of player that I love to watch. I think his, his pass completion rate was over 90%. The day, which considering you know, we're under
3: pressure for a reasonable amount of which reasons. doesn't matter because it's a completely irrelevant stat, but <laughs> the, uh, yeah,
0: people love it so well, yeah,
3: no, but it's, like, they like it when it when it is nice, and then when it's a bad one, then it's oh, well, it doesn't actually mean anything because well, it could be a jet yeah, as well, you yeah, know, like it, it, you know, it's just it's, just, it's, it's a nonsense, and, uh, and Andy should be ashamed of himself, but <laughs> for that reason, not, or for uh, just uh, like the, um, many reasons, right, okay, and it, those shorts and everything else. The, the thing with Kabai is Pictures he's going to be nowhere near his best yet because he needs to get to know the players he's playing with and kind of. Learn what runs are going to be making and stuff. He's going to be ludicrous for us. It's going to be ludicrous. Right, finally, Conor Wickham
0: only came on for five, ten minutes and played a part in the third goal. He played a, a massive part in the third goal. It wasn't, again,
1: from my vantage point, I saw throw in a couple of red and blue shirts and then suddenly you saw Kabai making the run. When I watched it back, that was basically all, um, all Wickham's doing. Um, he was looking for the one-two, actually, wasn't he? Yeah, with Macarthur, uh, which tra- took the defender away, which meant which yeah. gave Cabaye um, a bit more space. We, my dad and I were, we we, t- we made had a sort of a running tally of, sort of all his contributions. Given he's only on the pitch for ten minutes, we, we had we, we had a bit of a focus on him. And the first thing he did, I think, was win a win a flick on from the header right to, uh, Ballasy's feet. Then he won a challenge. Um, then the only negative thing he did was have a shot which he screwed wide, or you know, albeit it wasn't terrible. And then he made the goal.
0: Um, th- it was also interesting that he slowed the game down a little bit at that point because Norwich were were, try- were pushing, weren't they? they were, there was a lot of well, he know, c- the- at the risk of um,
1: incurring the the, the the wrath of the, the pass completion stat, he um, <laughs> he completed more passes than Murray did a uh, total. I think mean, he completed ten passes to Murray's eight. Uh, clearly in 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 9 minutes so perhaps the brief was um keep possession uh, don't try uh, don't do anything stupid uh, don't take any risks uh, and it worked and he's massive
3: i think he's a he's a physical beast absolutely you know that's kind of going to be a huge part of his game especially getting older because if you think about target men like murray and ricky lambert and grant holt all kind of guys who have come up through the leagues and stuff like that they develop late they mature late Conor Wickham's 22 Mm -hmm. so his best years are definitely ahead of him Um, I don't have a problem with pass completion stats for a striker (laughs) because they're in dangerous areas like you know Johan Kabai can play passes back to Damien Delaney and and Scott Dan and it's not a problem Conor Wickham linking up well and getting decent stats up there is far more impressive I think he's going to be more of a link up man than perhaps he'll score goals this season Um, but as long as everyone's around him to score goals then there's not too many problems there. I think it's interesting. Um Alan Pardew seems to be really high on Jordan much. Like, you know.
0: That was another highlight actually to me. For me personally, I thought he was really um I thought he provided a almost a second striker option quite quite nicely for Murray. Murray seemed but to link up well
3: with him. Padre specifically wanted him, and and it's obvious that he wants him in that number ten slot as well, don't he? He's very keen on him there. And uh, he's young as well. We're going to see a lot more of him. I remember when he was at at Birmingham, wasn't he? And he was, for me, like the best midfielder in the championship that season with Birmingham. And if we're going to see him playing that role behind the striker, he's not a guy who's kind of uh, like a traditional number 10 in many ways. He's a guy who's going to get up and down. He's going to be making tackles. He's going to be quite all-action sort of player. And he's going to probably arrive late and and score goals, hopefully. So I think Wickham's probably the, the guy you want up top. Um, linking things up. I think Bamford's an option as a natural finisher. You've got Murray, hopefully, if he is staying at the club, uh, who can do a lot. Dwight Gow's quick if he stays. And then you've got much Punch and Balassi arriving. There's enough there to be. You know, confident about more
1: than enough I uh, I really really like much um, and I've realised I can I've probably got about five Palace midfielders now who I think have to start uh, in about three midfield positions clearly not sure we're allowed to do that well yeah uh, sacrifice
2: a keeper and a Especially given the FA are biased against
3: us and other stuff <laughs> like that that already in on but yeah, they, yeah. Like all, all the authorities are biased against Palace I've, I've seen yeah.
1: that as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jo, uh, Joe Lelly didn't even make the bench, who I think is um really, has been a really, really important player for us and um uh, and criminally underrated. Um do you think, but he, much, tailed off,
3: do you think he tailed off in you know, the last season a little
1: bit? Ledley, uh, perhaps, yeah. He was
3: He was brilliant on the Pulis for sure.
1: And probably back to his best when um, um, party took over, and we didn't have any. We, di- we didn't have Mila, and, uh, and it was just him and MacArthur. Um, and in, you know, I saw the Fulham game. He came on for Jedi and just helped us keep uh, keep the war a bit better than, than Jedi had in the first half, albeit in a preseason game. But just finally, on much um, again? Hot off the heels of me telling you that uh, Zaha is the best player the, the world has ever seen, um, he reminds me a little bit. Uh, um, Of um, of Michael Balak, purely in the sense that he's an attacking midfielder who's also really strong and powerful, he's going to add aerial presence, not knocked off the ball easily technically very good, late runs into the
0: box, Uh, so I think we've got a player there. So in conclusion lots of positives then Uh, we've got some questions coming up in the second half of this podcast, Uh, join us then Hi and welcome back to the 5-Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Uh, this is part two of three parts and it's uh, brought to you by uh, JCIS. That's JC Innovation <laughs> and Strategy, the global research brand and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc com. and... They work with some big brands uh, there. They do. Yeah, yeah.
3: do they, uh, decent
0: company. Uh, vector Printing as well, uh, which is www vector.co.uk and that's
2: Vector with her yay um, I feel like I should now go on a five minute monologue about Vector because in Kevin's <laughs> honour you know, who's up in Edinburgh as well so good luck to Kevin up there and JD and also good luck to JD I think yep. JD is out flying in a tiger onesie which is about the most terrifying thing I think I've think i ever seen but um, good luck to them both up there
0: yes yes indeed um, so we're back with some questions uh, so we had a, we had, we've had a load of questions I think a win for Palace probably made people a little bit more interested in in asking questions. Um, I think the first one that we should probably start with, the first one we should probably start with is um, how much better do you think Palace can realistically get?
2: I saw someone ludicrously saying, well maybe Palace will sneak into the top six this season which was about the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I I think getting to the same level as last season would be a fantastic achievement really. staying in the league is the important thing first and foremost I know it's a cliche that everyone says over and over again but it's completely true Um, I think we we should be able to hopefully with the squad we're now starting to assemble and the type of football we play and the sort of physicality we've got we should be able to sort of consolidate around the position we finished last season you'd hope and I think that would be a pretty successful
3: season if we repeat that again Well there's not much between 8th and 12th, 13th I think there's actually not much between the entire bottom 10 but as long as you can stay away from that relegation battle, that's, that's the first thing. In the two seasons we've been up, we've always been, at some point, you know, there and thereabouts. We've had to go on good runs after the, uh, the Christmas break to, to stay up. If we don't flirt with relegation the entire season, for me, it's, it's been a success. Even if you finish 12th, 13th. I think the difference between 12th and 13th and, and 8th and 9th, I'd say, is pretty negligible. Um, it's been a stated aim to have a cup run. I think most people would be happy that mid-table and a cup run... You could try and and really go for that top six, top eight. I'm not sure if if we've quite got the depth yet to to really go for that. There's some clubs like uh, Southampton and Stoke who have got probably much stronger squads than us over the whole season. I would love
2: to see us win a cup to the extent that I was even a little bit disappointed this if I'm honest, that we didn't win the Cape Town Cup. I know that's <laughs> a, really, a little bit ridiculous. But I, I got into that match, I was like, we're definitely going to win this. Sporting club de Portugal, to give them their proper name, because I, I know they yeah. get pedantic about that. Uh, they, I was like, we, we should be able to beat them. And obviously they're a good side and you know, it was uh, one of those sort of matches where we didn't play brilliantly. But uh, I was upset at that. So the FA Cup will be a nice consolation to that I think well, The dream is
3: surely, I mean, I don't know if it's the same everyone else, my dream has been to see Palace in Europe Ajax away then Ajax
1: Cape
3: Town I've even got like a fantasy Europa League group I'd want Ajax in there nice Amsterdam away trip then Sparta Prague away that'd be quite fun and then probably a beachy one maybe Valencia maybe Napoli somewhere down so I'd have to sunny. tell a gum clinic to clear their schedule <laughs> well, for three weeks after I just I think it would be uh, you know it'd be good just, you know, all the legendary away days you've had at Hillsborough and like uh, Watford and, and Stockport whatever imagine that but translated to Prague like, it would just be insane it's it, that's the one thing I want and also obviously us CS Winner Cup would be great um, even if it's the the milk cup where it was called these days. who's that question uh, that from? was
0: that was from Richard A uh, Aegis or A-G-I-U-S I think that's Aegis isn't it?
3: Uh, I think the it's the
0: so. yeah. maybe yeah. Um, Next question uh, is let's have a look here. Who's it from? Um, Mark Dalamore. Oh hi Mark. Um, hi Mark. How do we set up against Arsenal presuming they dominate possession? Uh, is it better that they that we include Jednak alongside MacArthur?
1: Well, Norwich dominated possession um, so <laughs> that well. worked out alright yeah and Arsenal dominated possession against uh, against West Ham I would have picked Ledley to start against Norwich so personally I would um, by the same logic
3: would you play
1: gym, no? Uh no uh, I'd play one of the two and I'd, I'd as big a melee fan as I am there's a man crash here isn't there a little Ledley <laughs> man crash over yeah. it. Um, those uh, pod listeners won't be able to see my horrendous attempt to try and grow a, a Ledley beard. Um, oh, is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you your face. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd set up with a. I'd probably drop much for Ledley. Uh, and finish almost as we were uh, at the end of uh, at the end of Saturday um, but gladly replacing Jedernak in that in that instance um, well even on
2: Saturday it was a big hole at the base in the midfield for a good sort of half an hour before much started dropping a little bit deeper yeah. Pardew even admitted that he got it a little bit wrong and I think he'd be getting it horrendously wrong if he went with that same approach against Arsenal just because they're, they're good if you're not keeping compact and disciplined enough at, at finding the space between the lines and operating in those nice little triangles that they, like, they like pinging around. So I'd, I'd personally, just because I'd, I'd like to be obstinate like that, I'd, I'd play
3: Jed Mac and Ledley. Just get the they're shit out of them. Not, they're not going to be complacent, which is you know, when you come, when a team like that comes to Celso, you want them to be a, a little bit complacent. You, you wish they beat West Ham 4-0 yeah. and they were like, not really ready for it and we could have just you know got right up. And that's not going to happen. They're going to be absolutely chomping for a win. For me, I think the change you make is you bring in Jenat for much. I mean, you tilt that midfield triangle. So instead of having the, the two behind one, you have the one behind two, Jenat behind Kabai and MacArthur. I think that's, for this game, you've got to have the, the destroyer in there because otherwise they're going to run a mock in that those lines between you I mean, drawing Damien Delaney out and it'll just be carnage. That then leaves the only question, I think, uh, is who are you going to start that front three because do you go just all-out pace on the wings um, in that case Punch obviously gets left out or and who do you go up front you know if you're going to be trying to counter or do you need a physical presence up there play Yannick through the middle I would exactly yeah. what I was going to say I would play Punch and Zara on the, on the wings and I'd play Yannick through the middle like we did against Sunderland I think the joy he had against O'Shea and other flat-footed defenders through the centre imagine if he was doing that to play Mertesacker I think that's uh, an interesting proposition. Whether obviously past goes with that, I think, is is debatable. I think he'd prefer to have someone physical, but for me, that's probably the best way to go. Then. Yep,
0: I, th- I would say so too. I think the question maybe about with Ledley is that if he doesn't even make the bench against Norwich, do we really see it being a realistic no, idea? He, that won't he play.
1: Would, yeah. And in that case, I'd have, given right. that I'd have one of the two, I'd I'd obviously pick um, Jedi. Could um, we
0: even see him being an outsider to, to end up
3: actually being sold? Yeah, if you had to sell one, who would it be? It would be a tough well, one. September the 1st or 2nd, whatever day it is this year. Which one do you sell? Milo's older and
1: probably worth more on the sort of international market. So, by that logic, and given that I love Joe Ledley. You really do have a crush there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't
0: realise it's it was not that, the, that far. It's not this wow. Trip, is it? It is. No, no. Um, on the subject of uh, transfer, that, that was a really good question, by the way. Before we go um, on to the next
2: question, can yeah. I just say hi to Russell Parker, who's our Namibian listener, Yes. Who, who came to the, of the pub with his son Jack. He travelled all the way from Namibia to watch Palace Norwich and uh, apparently he's a big fan of the pub, yeah, so Mike Russell me. and Jack.
0: Yeah, really good. Um, on the subject of transfers, uh, Mike Benz and Ben Allen, uh, they both ask... Hi, Mike and Ben. Do we need another centre-back? Are we are we likely to go in for another centre back?
2: Well, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? I mean, it was the area that we all identified in the summer as saying, "Yeah, we probably need another centre back." You know, Hangland had that great game against Swansea at the end of the season, and he was in, back in his day and on it's still his good day—a pretty damn good centre half. Delaney, you never quite know what you're going to get with Damien. I love the guy, and he's your typical sort of Palace player in some ways, and his story seemed to echo the Palace story in terms of recovery and all that sort of stuff. But um, you do kind of wonder whether he's got a limited shelf life. I think he's been slightly unfairly written off by some people. But even then, there's, there's no sort of natural sort of replacement for Dan if he goes, for example, if he gets injured, sorry. or Kelly? He's still incredibly inexperienced in that position. I, I think everyone's talking about him being, you know, this this guy that will eventually go and become a brilliant centre-back centre and he has gone to an England tournament as you told us at the last pods in that position but he's, he's still not played a huge amount of Premier League games in that position and I've, I've found it surprising that we've not chased centre backs hard I mean I know there's still chat about the Hanley thing and there was the chat about the collegini thing who we definitely were interested in and definitely weren't interested in there was a suspiciously worded statement that was definitely not written by lawyers in any way shape or form you'd expect us to sign some sort of centre back i am not seeing a lot of Hanley so I
3: don't really know how good he is Maybe other people can. Uh, You're interesting. The the common theme is that he obviously wants a centre back that has been playing in the English leagues. He's not clearly not interested in looking outside England. You know, West Ham. I was really impressed with Bonner uh, against Arsenal. I thought he looked really good. Obviously, he's been playing for Juventus and in Italy and stuff. There are good players out there, good bargains out there. But obviously, this seems a position that Paz doesn't want to kind of uh, what's the word? He doesn't want to compromise. Mm. he wants someone that's played in the English Leagues even if that's dipping down to the Championship getting someone like James Chester or Ryan Hanley um, obviously Chester not, not happening but you know what I mean that, that's, it seems even Coluccini is someone who's been playing in the English Leagues for, for that long and we're definitely not interested as the statement said Yeah, um, never were no, no. no. Uh, so I think that tells us a story um, to- that he obviously wants someone who can plug straight in to give it an extra yeah. bit of
0: spin, do you think that there might be a, a case that, with with Pardew, he's he's come out and said that um, that De, he likes the unit of Delaney and Dan. Do you think that there's a risk that with it being such a crucial position to, to the, the way the team plays, that by by bringing someone extra in with the intention of playing them immediately? that it might actually destabilise... Well, if you remember, Gabadon and
2: Delaney had a pretty good centre-back partnership going just before we signed Dan. Like they'd started yeah. to get a little bit of understanding there. They were starting to play quite well, to keep clean sheets, to put in solid defensive displays. And I remember all of us said when we signed Dan and he went straight into the team and Gabadon got dropped immediately, that- that's a bit harsh on Gabadon. <laughs> Albeit that there was a clear upgrade. But sometimes, you know, you've got to... Make marginal improvements in each position if you if you want to sort of push on. As a sort of I,
3: I think, I, I just don't. I when we got promoted, I said they need to replace Delaney because he won't step up. He's completely proved me wrong on that. Like he's been he's been excellent, but you know that at any day it could go off. like he's getting older, it could go off that cliff. Um, well, they it obviously looked like it would at times last season. Yeah, yeah, it? but they obviously want. You know what it says to me that the English league thing is that they want someone they can plug in straight away. They don't want to have the soiree thing where they need six months to let him bed in you know we might not be able to afford that if scott down goes down injured there could be an issue this season you could be looking towards the relegation spots i don't think i think fortunately the rest of the team is good enough that we probably should be able to blast goals and get away with it somehow winning every game four two but there there is a need for a back there i think no one argues with that i think hangel and delaney are both obviously getting on in age and and you've got to have someone top notch, but I probably appreciate more than most that I think it's important not to just buy players for the sake of it. I think Pardew is only going to go for players he wants, and he's not going to be forced or he's not going to feel the pressure to go for someone that isn't quite right for him, which is a good thing. Yeah. Did we
1: miss out on Chester at that price point?
3: Uh, people people have mocked, mocked it for being really expensive. I think it was quite. I think he's quite a good player. I think he again would have been perfect. Was he going to strike right in? you know, you got to remember we the prices we pay for players now. The Conor Wickham thing, you know, you're paying six million pounds up front. You're buying off another Premier League club. You're not going to get much off anyone for less than that now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how it is. Any player you go for, the price. So the the guy Chelsea are about to sign from Augsburg, Abdul Baba Rahman. Um, I beg your pardon. He uh, sorry. I'm just sorry. <laughs> he he's going to go for say like twenty five million euros or something, 25, 30 million euros. If Werder Bremen had come in for him, to, to Augsburg, he would have gone for probably half, if not less. When Gary Middell went to Cardiff from mm-hmm. Inter Milan, he was been hawked around for like four million. Um, when Cardiff came calling, how much? Yeah, 10 million, and he would say yes, but hands off. That's what's gonna happen with us, mm. for every player we go for, because everyone knows how rich the Premier League is. We benefit from that, we've gotta pay the prices because of that as well. So, Chester for eight million, I think, was a good deal. Um, obviously, certain people disagreed, but.
0: Uh, Segueing into another question, yeah. uh, Dominic uh, Donantantonio oh, um, Dominic. says that uh, he and his friend went through a list of possible first team players uh, and asks, "Is the squad heavy? And if so, who would make to struggle?" What heavy uh, who, is it who too? many struggle? people in there, or like heavy is as like in that? yeah, too like, many oh, players over uh, okay. t- t- many You've players. Got a KG. Uh, who does he think? Who do you think would struggle to make the team? As in, out of all the, if let's say for example that, that we oh, have two players, there's a list of
3: players that you say could get sold or loaned out and no one would care. Yeah. So Bannon, let's
0: let's say who the top top Grediura three of those
3: are. Barry Bannon. Gweniora is wanted by clubs, which is good. But does he want to leave? Campbell to he, to wants, he only wants one club, that's his right. problem. Um I, I think Fraser Campbell's not in the picture, right? I mean
1: Yeah, exactly. T- take out those four or five players and Suddenly, the, and Friars, um, although who oh, take them off our hands. Friars, Jesus. Um, but yeah, take the, when you take those players out, you're left with about 23, 24, and you're sort of making room for a Campbell or a potential new signing. So
2: in terms of the 25, we're,
1: we're absolutely fine.
2: Have Do Palace we, ever made a worse signing pound for
3: pound than Zeki Friars? Jimmy Kebe? Oh, classic, yeah, yeah. Well, Nathan yeah. Ashton? Yeah. Okay. No, that was only on loan. Jimmy Kebe, because it was permanent. Zeki Fryers, seemingly with no scouting whatsoever, one that's ever seen him, just thought he was terrible. So. Was that a Warnock
1: thing? Last minute
3: in the window needed to sign it, someone. It was certainly last minute. I don't know if it was Warnock behind it, but it was. Yeah. It's not turned out well, has it? I mean, he he's not going to have a career even at championship level. I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, drives a Bentley. Isn't that fun?
2: that's no justice. he's driven uh, he's driven in a Bentley probably, oh
0: there we go he's got a driver <laughs> right. I think yeah so to me it seems that the obvious ones are the obvious ones but I guess we, we, we touched on it maybe that, that someone like Joe, Joe Ledley or maybe even um, Miley Jagnac might end up being the, sold the grey
3: area guys I'd say with, are those two obviously Dwight Gale you'd never, Gale sell, Gale as you'd never well. sell both you'd only sell one I think yeah. I agree with Dwight Gale Hennessy Murray. maybe Glenn Murray, Glenn Wayne Murray. Murray. There has
0: been talk, well obviously there's interesting Glenn Murray
3: uh, and you can understand why he'd want to go as well, mm. right? Well, first-team
0: football, if, if he gets guaranteed first-team uh, football, you'd...
3: Even Brighton want to take him back, you know. They're, they're clubs in the it, Championship that would do that anything. Day. They would do anything to yeah. have a player who has got a proven record of scoring goals in the Championship and he's even done it in the Premier League. I mean, at the end of last season, he looked really good. Look at his age, he wants to play every week. You can understand why he'd want to go. Um, obviously, no-one at Palace would, would, I think, feel badly towards him if he did leave. But I'd prefer to... I'd prefer to lose him than Dwight Gale per, on a personal level. I think. Really? Gale, I think Gale's still... I mean, you can get money for him. Um, but Murray... Like he's he's not really going to have a huge future at Palace because even if he stays, if we sign the big striker that we wanted to sign this summer and, and didn't, if we sign someone in, in 12 months' time when Bamford's gone back, then Murray's still not in the picture. It's, It's nice to have him as a second-slash-third-choice striker you can throw on, but it's not fair on him... I don't think. Whereas Gale, there is upside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Although, in the, and, and we can put as much weight on what Pardy says in the press as, as, as we want, but he today or yesterday came out saying that Murray is very much still his number one, number nine. Um, and it was when I read that that I,
2: that I thought it's probably unlikely that we sell him this window. Um, I guess at what point Is, is that the, to make Connor Wickham Knuckle down though Because he's come with A bit of a reputation Is that to
3: You know Try and pimp him out well, to, Murray was uh, told the the, Murray was told At the start of the summer That he was going to be The first choice striker um, So maybe it's that so He, take is, it worth he thinks Wickham Maybe just needs to Learn behind him For six mm-hmm. months Maybe in January they consider I think uh, Every Palace fan would Be delighted if he stays It's I, just I think it's proof Of just
0: how many Great options Palace have And the fact that We're actually talking about Letting Players like Joe Ledley or maybe Milos Jednak or Dwight Gale or Glen like, Murray uh, go. What do you do with Gale? Uh, to me, I think that Gale's problem is that he is someone who plays in a, a, a forward pairing, and we don't have the option to play. Or twenty years too late, wasn't it? He's basically an Andy Johnson. Well, the, yeah, that guy. Well, Andy Johnson could play one-up. Well, top. he did, and he did. But okay. the, the the difference I would argue is that the way that we played with Andy Johnson in the side was purely aimed. At, at directing everything through him yeah. And whereas, he's a better player than Gale Whereas we have, so many, we have so many better players now Than we did in that season in the, in the Premier
1: League The thing with Gale last season Was that he was a guy that you'd, lo- you, it was great to have on the bench I know towards the end of the season He didn't even come on at all But you'd, you'd think if we needed to change the game To something slightly different You could put him on the wing And now because of, of the padding out of the squad Belassi or Wilf or Punchin Or one, someone else turned Duncan. into that player Yeah, well exactly so suddenly you've got other players on the bench, and you don't you don't see you certainly don't see Gale as the top four or five options from the bench mm. if he's making the bench at all. So for me, I'm and given the amount of money we could command for a striker who scored got a half decent Premier League scoring record, I would I'd be happy to see him go and keep Murray for the sake of another season of potentially scoring a few goals and the 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 effect that he has on Wickham Bamford etc etc.
0: I thought that was an excellent question. Um, I know that we've, got a, we've had a couple of other people on Facebook ask similar ones, so thank you to all of you. Um, next one is uh, George Sheldon uh, Hi, George. asks, um, everything is going great so far this year and the future in general is bright, but is anyone still scared we'll somehow find a way to get relegated?
2: Well, I think Ed drew upon one thing that could go horribly wrong and that's Scott Dan and it's why I, I was getting really, really worried in the summer when the, there was the talk that he wanted to go to Everton and Everton wanted him and it was probably going to happen and et etc. et cetera. I thought, well, where do we go from here? Like, if we're starting next season with uh, Hangeland and Delaney at the back, with all due respect to them and they do deserve respect, particularly Delaney for the reasons Ed said, um, you know, we're going to be in a lot more difficulty than we were the season before. So, if anything is to happen to someone like Scott Dan then we're in trouble arguably more so than anyone else in the squad I think it's, it's, if, that, awesome. if
3: Dan and Kabai went down I suppose is what we'd say right if they both got long term injuries you'd probably think we might be in a bit of trouble you'd like to think that
1: because of the work that's been done to the squad over the last two or three windows you could survive even those two going down um, Kabai clearly makes us a better a, a better team a better squad Um but he was signed in a position, as we've discussed a number of times, that we we had plenty of cover in. And I think, with whilst the obvious flaw um, in the Hangerland Delaney partnership is pace, uh, albeit Scott Dan isn't the quickest. If you forget the first couple of games that Hangerland played, he's never let us down from sort of September onwards last year. Every time he's come in, he's been fantastic. Now he probably doesn't have the. The, the, the body to last a 38-game season but in the short term I think we'd, we'd cope without uh, th- to answer the question I think it would take a calamitous series of injuries misfortune um, bad refereeing decisions to, to, to send us down
2: Well, how you get the England job if Hodgson decides he doesn't want it anymore? That, that could have a big effect. I mean, I, I know he's probably happen. not going to be the first
3: choice or anything, but that, that could be the the undoing. Well, you know what, if, we, if we have a really, I mean, the only way I can see Pardew getting the if we have a really good season this year, like top six slash eight, um, and then Roy probably going to get binned after the Euros. And then who are the other choices? Southgate kind of damaged himself at the Euros. You've got uh, this uh, the under-21 Euros, sorry. Gary Neville, I don't know why you would take it, because he's got a great life as it is. Who's third? I,
0: I wonder whether Pardy would actually even if, if for example in, in six months time if he was actually offered the job would he take it I don't think he would I think he'd see it as an opportunity missed it's missed. a crap job well it is in fairness like when you th- when you consider the options now and let's say if he has a good
3: time at, time at Palace for the next two or three years he would bite their hand off is my view I think he wouldn't think twice. Really, I think mean, you know, he's course, a, yeah. a great. I mean, time two or college. three years, but he would not think twice. I think. Well, you know. immediately,
0: as in six months' time, or
3: no, I mean, it wouldn't come up in six months' time. I think the only time it's going to come up realistically is after the Euros, right, next summer. Do you think he'd take it then? Yeah, yeah. What, you you he's an ego yeah. maniac, isn't he? He's <laughs> <laughs> like a brilliant <laughs> ego maniac.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. But, you know exactly.
3: Yeah, he's an English manager of a football team. The England job comes up; it's going to appeal to him hugely for exactly the reason. Well, there was talk as well when Newcastle finished
2: fifth, wasn't there, of him maybe being a candidate, and it probably won't have escaped him that after their sort of mini downfall and the sort of fall in his stock that that sort of went with, that it, it could be his really good next opportunity if we have that good season. So, yeah. you know, he's been considered. Couldn't blame him know. for taking it either. I don't think. No.
1: So, someone once said. Um, it's a crap job because everyone hates you unless you win the World Cup or you die Um, but I think Pardew fancies chances of winning the World Cup I'm not dying i not dying yeah, there <laughs> we go
0: <laughs> uh, thanks for that question
2: um, Jessica Holly Wills uh, asks um, hi Jessica is that a female listener? it is we, we is we finally managed to soften our tone and stuff obviously Yeah. and that now I've instantly undone it all well done yeah.
0: drawing attention to that brilliant
3: um, the fourth wall is
2: broken yeah. she
0: asks who do you think will be Palace's key player this season?
2: kibai obviously Right, you know, yeah. he's the marquee signing. He's, he's going to, you'd imagine, given the outlay for him and given the fact he's come here to get games ahead of the Euros and given the fanfare he's come here with, that he'll start pretty much every game. And I think he'll be
3: a brilliant, brilliant player for us in that centre midfield berth. So I'm going with him. Joe it's Ledley. an obvious. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to say someone different uh, for the sake of it, I would say. You don't have to. Um, Wilfred Zaha, because. Bear with me because I'm thinking of a reason. Uh, because if Palace are to do anything this season, um, as in upwardly mobile, Kabay will obviously be a huge part of it. He'll be central both literally and figuratively to the, the whole project. But Zaha, if he can learn how to finish, if say he scored 15 goals from the wing in a season, that is a top, a top six, top eight side we won a cup you're going to need a guy like him to, in the vital moments to cut it open I don't think we've got a striker that's going to score lots of goals I think they have to come from elsewhere if he scores 15 goals in a season that will be making Palace more upwardly mobile than Kabay having a really good season well, Scott Dan's the
1: obvious other one, right? Given what well, we you've, No, you've before. had your answer. You oh, said Joe and Eddie.
0: If I were to actually say someone, it might be... Who a, asked you? Well, I'm just <laughs> in my opinion, <laughs> Mariappa isn't uh, it? No, James MacArthur, I think, would be a surprising one. Yeah, brilliant. Because yeah. I think he's the kind of player that that will allow other one, uh, other midfielders to do their work. You saw against Norwich, he's not tall. You know, he's not that kind of he's not that kind of defensive midfielder. But in terms of doing the groundwork, he's a terrific body player. Isn't he? Yeah. Jesus. Really good. He, I mean, he, he nice works. little
2: assist for Kabay as well.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. So good last season, MacArthur. So I think I think he might be the player that, that he might be the the, the kind of a player that ghosts around a match that people don't actually pay as much attention to. But I that's think that's different. It. You
3: can draw that out bigger with Kabay there. People aren't going to pay attention to how good they didn't last season. Yeah. And they definitely won't realize this season how good MacArthur is because everyone's going to, all the focus will be on Kabay But giving him that new contract, I think. He knows he's one of the most important players in, in this Padu Palace side for sure. That midfield
1: three that started against Norwich, the ones we've, the, uh, well, the two we just discussed, and Punchin, uh, sorry, and Much, um, adding Punchin and Sharrat to the mix, you've suddenly got a bunch of players who, really, really good with the ball, uh, which is really exciting. We've not had that even in our, in our rise to the leagues. We've had a Jedi next to a KG. Um, we've had a perhaps at times an Owen Garvin and a, a, a Moritz, but but this is a, a real step up in terms of being able to handle. Would
0: you say this is the best Palace team in terms of ability that
1: we've? It's the best Palace squad ever I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the an easy answer right now, for the to um, obviously, I mean, it would. The, be, yeah, the nineteen ninety debate the question is easily skirted around with the um, with the squad factor, but it's absolutely true, right? We've it is without doubt the strongest squad we've we've ever had, if. Zaha turns into Ian Wright, which uh, isn't beyond the realms of possibility, um, and we
2: do get to another Cup final. What pisses off to Arsenal and scores against us, kisses the badge, <laughs> yeah. and then spends the rest of his that, media you whole know life being a dick. If Wilf,
3: oh, oops. if Wilf, can be like as good as he as he likes. None of the big clubs are going to come in for him until he really, really flies yeah. because of what happened with Man United. Yeah. So it's a player you know you've got for the next however
0: many years. With that in mind, we've got one final question from Jack Pearce, which is about Wilf. Hi, oh, Jack. Um, okay. does he, do, do we think that the competition for places will be the making of Wilf? Uh,
3: he looked brilliant on on Saturday against Norwich. Uh, I think having strength in depth in those areas means that he will not be over-exerted and over-used because... Pardew seems to like this thing, and I kind of agree with him, that drops one of them. Drops Wilford, drops Bellassi. He was doing it a bit last season. Did it the other day, probably more for fitness reasons, but bring one of them on with half an hour to go. Let them cause absolute carnage. If you're a tired left back, the last thing you want to see is Wilfred Zaha coming on with half an hour to go. They've got Sacco as well, who I think's really good. Got Lee Chung-Yung, who is alive. So there's all sort of kind of depth there now that I think um, it's not maybe the competition because he knows that Pardew thinks he's He's the boy, you know? I think it's more that he's just really good and he's going to be fresher and he's going to have a better team around him and he's going to have Johan Kabai threading in passes. And he's... It's like what
1: Wenger always used to say about his teams. You've got a a team of 23-, 24-year-olds. They're going to improve much more year-on-year than a team of 30-, 31-year-olds. And we've got a core of the team... Who, who are still very young We're still in that um, In that area where they can improve Wilf being the The prime example We, we touched on Wickham But Wilf's 22, 23 yeah. um, And The You forget the, that sometimes Don't yeah. you Because of how, how many years He's been Sort of in the palace consciousness But he's still So young Played a lot of games And yeah We talk about burnout he's, This guy's played what, Easily over 100 championship games He probably will need a rest um, Over the course of, uh, the, of The next couple of years So yeah The, the strength and depth Whilst clearly being useful for a number of uh, a number of factors, is um, is going is to oh gonna the cliche that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is going to uh, particularly help uh, help Wolf.
0: I thought um, there were there were a couple of things from the Norwich game that, that were pleasing about Wolf. Is the first one is that he seems to have worked on. On actually running with the ball a little bit, which what I mean by that is in terms of just using that raw pace. Because in, in the past, what I what I what I felt was that when Wilf got the ball and he was in possession, he often found he often found that the ball just he just gets stuck under it a little bit rather than actually being able to take on defenders and go around them. He did that brilliantly against Norwich. The other thing was in his interview with um, uh, Chris Grierson after the the game, uh, he said that that. For him, the biggest thing was getting that first bit of skill right. And after that, he just settled down, which kind of shows that a level of immaturity... You know that that with his age, he'll probably that'll get better and better, and it'll just it's just a matter of the positivity going through him, isn't
1: it? Yeah, he's clearly a, a confidence player, and, and will be th- throughout the rest of his career. But that side of his game will develop. You noticed it in the Fulham friendly. He was getting in a pre-season friendly. He was getting really frustrated with himself. Pardew has a word with him. Suddenly, he's he's a much better player. And and as he uh, gets older and wiser and more mature, um, he'll get better at dealing with that. And, yeah, I th- I th- he he's primed to have an excellent
0: season. Touch wood. Excellent stuff. Right, that's the end of part two, of three, of three, part two of three, that's right. Um, Join us in part three, of three, uh, for our preview of the Arsenal game. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan podcast. Yay! Start the new season. Uh, Brought to you by uh, JCIS, that's JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. What's that website like, mate? It's uh, jc-is.com. Oh, there you go. Uh, that works, yeah. In addition to uh, Vector Printing, and that's www.vector.co.uk. That's Vector with a K. Okay, okay great. So, uh, Arsenal coming up uh, at the weekend. So we're we're going to just briefly skirt over the issues with that, purely because we've discussed quite a bit of it already. Um, They had a bit of a disappointing performance against West Ham, didn't they? Do you think that that will have a positive impact for us or a negative one? Ed?
3: Yeah, bad news for us, I think. I've already, uh, already said, I think you want them to be a bit complacent coming into these sort of games and preferably on the back of an away Champions League trip, we've managed to get them second game up after they've just lost at home to West Ham. So... Yeah, it could hurt. Uh, I think they're they're going to be good on the counter attack, but if we let them have a lot more of the ball, bringing someone like Jednak is going to destroy things. Uh, get a bit of luck on the day. Keep working those set pieces, which we've been doing really well the last year or so. Might... Did West Ham show the model of how to uh, sort of go against them at the moment? No. They were pretty think... compact when they and... I thought West Ham didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I thought they were what you'd expect a team to be at the Emirates, and obviously they got the goal. Uh, mental well mental from check flying out the marking was terrible uh, for the, the set piece gone and the one the near post was oxlade Chamberlain was probably their best player on the day inexplicably losing the ball just in or just outside his own penalty area we're not going to get probably as lucky as that they're making two terrible errors so let's say I think if we focus on set pieces focus on keeping compact the noise will be good um, it's on TV that the players usually kind of raise the level a little bit for that, I think. So, you know, fingers crossed. Mike, who do you think will be Arsenal's
0: biggest threat? Um, so, they
1: against West Ham. Yeah, Ox was uh, Oxo Chamberlain in the in the first half looked like the the only one who's going to break them down. Um, clearly, they've got danger all over the pitch. And if Ozil turns up, if Zola turns up, um, then you know any you could name any number of others, you're in trouble. Um, the key, the key is going to be, as Ed said, to keep compact, keep narrow. That's what West Ham did. They played that diamond in midfield. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable performance from a 16-year-old. Yeah, he was uh, great. Right, really. <laughs> the most important position in that in that game. Um, oh, he's a defender as well. That's the worst thing around. He, yeah, he and he. The, 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 they should, on on two. They pointed out his first touch was just taking a ball out of the air on his chest and just knocking a pass over his shoulder. I wouldn't expect uh, Jedi to do that in the uh, in the same in the same position. Why not? Um, because I've got a. a, a <laughs> Chris he's not Joe Ledley. Joe Ledley would die. But yeah, no, I think ha- having someone in that gap in front of in, in front of the two centre backs, so Dan Delaney don't get pulled out position because Dan can get pulled out of position as well. Um, people were uh, quick to jump on, on, on Demo for that, um, and then that that gives us a chance. But if the, if, if Arsenal turn up firing all cylinders play to the best of their ability there, there won't be much that even this vastly improved Palace team can do so keep it compact yeah, rely on set pieces rely on the counter
0: attack and hope for a bit more luck would you say that maybe the, to kind of counter that would you say that West Ham didn't show them the respect that a lot of, club, a lot of sides do and that maybe that would be I mean we don't have the I mean they, we, You know, for, for their Payet Payet Payet, Payet? Well, 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 okay. Whatever yeah. for, their, for that player, we've got Kabai. You know, for the wing, for our, we've got that wing wing player kind of uh, creativity as well. Do you think that that obviously there's risk with with a match like that in in any case? But do you think Pardiu would actually approach it from a perspective of keeping it tight? I mean, we we play like that anyway. But
1: I think and I'm going to perhaps slightly go off uh, on a tangent than, than answer your question. The other the, 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 the other element of the West Ham performance is that they've had any number of Europa League games up to now, proper competitive games. Admittedly, not all the first team have played in in all of those games, but you can make an argument that they were ready, uh, far more ready for the start of the season than than Arsenal were. And when you're setting up a pre-season, you very deliberately don't plan to peak on on, on day one. And I wonder if Palace looked slightly more sluggish against Norwich than they might have done under a Pulis pre-season, which in the long run might not be a bad thing. But I'm not sure that we have the same um, that we play in the same way as West Ham. We we don't have we don't have quite the same players to set up defensively uh, uh, defensively as they did, and we're just not as fit as they um, as as they were. Which you really need to be uh, not just physically fit, um, but but mentally sharp as well, because the way um, Arsenal play relies on uh, on on all your defensive seven
0: or eight players to really be um, on the ball mentally. um, for us, Kabai will probably be one of the key players. Other than that, Andy, who do you think will be a player that could make a contribution in the game?
2: Uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, Balassi. Because I'm <laughs> going to go with. Pard, likes you like to do a bit maverick? And I think playing Balassi through the middle could be the maverick move that uh, who will go and obviously maybe me stupid by not going anywhere near come 12 30 on. Saturday afternoon when the teams are announced, uh, but were he to play Balassi through the middle, of, I think he could give them a, you know, give give Palace a real outlet and give them a bit of a torrid time. So I'm going to go with Balassi. He's got the physicality to hurt teams who play like Arsenal, and also the pace and directness and all the sort of usual stuff that we love about Balassi. And we're not going to control possession against them because they're far far better than us passing the football. You know, that's that. that's obvious, and it goes without saying. But the way we hurt them, if we're going to hurt them, is by occasionally doing stuff on the break with the presence like Balassi. So. If he does start, then it's him for me. I'll bring your man, uh,
3: McCarthy back into the conversation because he's had a tough opening game. He's on telly, he's uh, I think it's one of the best ties in the country. If he had one of those stunning goalkeeper games, you know, wins the fans over, uh, keeps Palace in it, Palace got the other run nick one. Uh, I think that solves everyone's problems, doesn't it? I was just going to ask, do you think it's realistic that Hennessy
0: might get, get the nod? No, no,
2: no, no. chance. Well, Mike, who do you think would be... He's the key too busy solving world hunger and poverty mm-hmm. and all the other things that he's capable of doing while he's out of the two. And, uh, Not for me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> who
0: do you think, Mike? Who do you think that is, it could, could be the person to make a difference for us? Um, poss-
1: but possibly this is just, uh, something that occurred to me earlier that we haven't discussed for a while. Um, the pitch, the new pitch, mm-hmm. um, specifically. Uh, so I suppose the groundsman, to, to answer your question... But the, uh, the, the, common, the common assumption about a good pitch versus a bad pitch is that it, it favours a team that, that passes the ball. But from what I'm led to believe, the, um, what Warnock said, what other managers said, the big, <laughs> the big issue with our pitch last season uh, was that to lay it they had to have this sand base that made it really heavy and made players like Balassi and Wilf, players who relied on explosive pace, that much more sluggish. They're much more tired. They covered less ground at home than than they did away from home. And this will be the first time that we see them on a proper decent pitch at home. So, so well, we played. Well, no, that, no, that played it. We played at the
3: end of last season, and uh, it was more that, and, and it was dreadful. It was everything as bad as it looked in those last few games of the Premier League season. It's more that you didn't have the confidence because it was ripping up. You didn't have the confidence to change direction mm. quickly to spring off one foot to the other because you could felt you're just going to do your ankle. JD did his ankle, mm. and uh, that. Sort of thing, when you're some, when you're Wilf, when you're Yannick and you know that off the muck you can beat that man yeah. you're up against but you have to be able to trust your feet underneath you otherwise you're going to get hurt and I think if they know they can do that that's going to be a huge, huge advantage for them. So we've covered pretty much everything, I think. Predictions.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, predictions. What do you think, Mike? Um, go on, a score draw. Score draw. Andy? Oh,
2: uh, that's ambitious. I th- we, we've just got such a terrible... Um, record against Arsenal historically over the last god knows how many decades, You're probably running. understandably. Um, and obviously, it's irrelevant, but I'm a football fan, so I like being illogical and irrelevant. So and I, I, I can't see and negative because that's kind of my, my thing. Uh, I think
3: they'll beat us 2 0. Um, we never get smashed pretty much by anyone in this league, not since we've come up this time, I think, apart from that Liverpool game when we are 3 0 down at half time, but even then, they didn't kick on. So 2 1 defeat for me. I think, a 2-1 uh,
0: win. Ooh, there we go. Just Ooh. to throw this banner in the oh, works. Wow. There we go. You get some one good odds eight. on that. You yeah. have to say that, though, don't you? So. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Mike, Ed, and Andy.
2: Pleasure. Make um problem. Go to our website, www5 Uk. Yep. Thank you to everyone for the questions. That's 5-year plan with an F. Yeah, yeah. it is 5-year plan with an F. <laughs> Putting the F in 5-year plan. We, we. There are also some... Uh, t-shirts out from Jesse Boyce at the moment Yep, look at The Goldfather which are pretty cool super owl ones so buy one of them and uh, look awesome
0: and thank you to all of you listeners for joining us uh, we'll sp- speak with you for you uh, next time probably won't speak with
2: him well no I, I think we'll speak probably at the. Well, yes. presumptuous yeah. that yeah. you speak oh. for the supporters yeah. where are we hosting this Next pod. We're going to Edinburgh. Yeah. We just thought we'd go up to Edinburgh yeah, and say hi to JD because, yeah, we like dressing up and top as tigers yeah, and I other like stuff like that, that, yeah. All right, see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.
1: My brother-in-law died suddenly.